So to be diagnosed with kidney cancer in 2013 was such a shock. I'd literally just finished cycling Land's End to John O'Groats. I'm not gay. I'm not straight. I'm not bisexual. I'm not heterosexual. I'm not asexual. I'm just Amanda. And I just happened to fall in love with three souls that were attached to male bodies and one soul that was attached to a female body. And so we've got this varying degree of what those beliefs are about ourselves. And I think when a person goes on that discovery, the, f the more you do it, the deeper you get. Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. Welcome back to the Born Unbreakable podcast or welcome here. If this is the first time that you're ever tuning in and you just decided to choose this episode to listen to, um, and if you did, you're very lucky because I'm very lucky for this amazing human being that I have on the show today. I'm more excited as I get to know her and talk to her because the synergy and the energy is incredible. And it's, you know, I, I spent the weekend, um, if you all listened to my last episode, at a personal development conference. And one of the big themes that really energized me was around connection and relationships, this human experience that we have and what a difference it makes in our, uh, in our journeys when we connect with people that we align to because it, it elevates us. And I feel very elevated in this energy right now. So today I have Amanda Fu Ryland. She's a speaker coach and she has a doctorate in hypno clinical hypnotherapy. So we'll talk a little bit more about what that means if people are going, what does that mean? Um, she has 30 years of human development experience and she's done an amazing TED talk. So you have an assignment already in the introduction of this podcast, which is to go listen to it. It's called Labelless Living. It's been seen by almost 400,000 people. Um, it captivated me from the very first five seconds of listening to the content. She's actually dialing in from Portugal today. And in um, our conversation before we started recording, this day is very special because she's celebrating her second book, that just completed its rigorous editing process and she has signed off on the book cover, which if anybody knows anybody, or if you're a person who's written a book, it's a big deal. It's coming soon. It's called Knowing You, The Difference, and the tagline is The Difference That Makes the Difference. I'll let her talk about it, but I could probably spend 10 more minutes here introducing her, but then we would never get to the important stuff. So Amanda. <laughs> Welcome to Thank the Born and Bring so much. Podcast. What a fantastic introduction. I'm I'm very, very grateful to be here and I'm excited to go on this journey with you to see, you know, what we can share and how we can help people out there. 
Yeah. And what a celebration. I know. You know, I was just saying to you earlier, it took me four years to write my first book and it took me four months to write my second book. And that's actually because I implore, you know, I I sought out a really good book coach um, here in the UK, although she's originally from New York. And, um, you know, it, it once you work with an expert that really knows what they're doing, that has that experience, it is a game changer. And um, even though I'd written a book before, I, I learned so much about the process that you and I have been sharing, because I know I know it's something that you're doing and working on now. Um, so yeah, it's a huge celebration today. We're, we're down. Um, at, you can probably tell it looks a little bit nautical and you might hear a few creeks and maybe even see the water moving, but we're actually on the boat down in the Algarve in Portugal, um, doing this podcast with you, which is exciting. So um, yeah, you can see the water actually reflecting on my face now as the sun uh, starts to change its shape no but that's good that's that energy that we're in right is movement and and, you know that's that's such a that's such an amazing accomplishment amanda um and i'm i'm always curious because i see people when they're coming out with their books and they start going through iterations of covers sometimes people even put put it on social media and ask people if you had to vote for one what would you choose like how many covers did you see before you were like that's the uh there would have been 24 different varieties yeah well it was it was an evolution and interestingly um, I did the social, once we got down to this is it, and we've got the three, the top three, we did, I did do um, social media posts. And in, what was really interesting was the one that myself, my book, coach, and also the designer had settled on was the one that was actually selected by uh, as the as the highest the winner if you like by everyone on social media it got a lot of engagement people love to be involved in those kind of things so what we felt was right was actually what um people that follow us were also telling us was right for them so that's when you kind of go yes we, we've got this you know we've got this hopefully so yeah it was a long a long process i'm sorry of people who are going to buy yeah, the book. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, it's a little unconventional, the book cover. It's, you know, we we um, we looked at what does a book cover do? What's it designed to do? And it's designed to um, get people curious, really. Um, and, you know, obviously all, all the magic and the, and the goodness is inside. Uh, but the book cover's got to be strong and powerful enough to speak to people. So, again, that, you know, that was working with a designer that's got lots of experience and also my book coach and, and my, my personal preference and, and and everyone that follows us, um, you know, Your Life Live It, my, my company, and me personally, what did they think? And I think that's a really good thing to do is ask people that know you, that trust you, that like you, what do they think? And because they, they know, they know best, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an interesting, yeah. an interesting adventure just on the book cover alone. Well, you said a word and, and I, I love it and I'm taking it in and it's unconventional and I love it because we live in a society, I was telling you when we were chatting a little earlier, that pushes us towards the conventional, right? If you want to fit in and feel validated and be accepted, you follow the herd. What's the herd doing? What's gonna make me go, okay, now I'm living in such a way where people are going to look at me and go, yeah, 
she's doing she's doing the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer as I go on my journey um, that we all walk our own path. We have discoveries in the exploration of self that is unique to you. The timing at which things happen are unique to you. So sometimes it's this futile effort of comparing like, oh, I can't believe this happened to me and that happened to that person like 10 years sooner. Or, you know, there's there's so much of that. And I, I, I'd love for us to challenge ourselves today as we do this interview and people who are tuning in to, to think about that for yourself. You know, what have you been doing that is maybe disingenuous to yourself to fit in or feel accepted uh, when you know the best of you still has yet to be unleashed and it's out of fear that there's a person or persons that may not accept fully who that individual is so i'm kind of channeling that energy but i would love to start amanda with your story because before 30 years of experience of getting into clinical hypnotherapy and the things you're doing today you, there was a, a younger version of you out there in the world exploring and finding yourself so maybe maybe take us back a little bit and tell us your story well um i'll start really where i i felt you know you i remember that age and i i, I hope this resounds with with everyone that's listening you kind of think you've got it. Like you, you kind of think, you know, I've got life. You know, this is, I, I understand it now. I'm old enough. I'm long enough in the tooth. I was 26. I understand it. And, you know, I was an executive with the Estee Lauder Corporation. I, I was very responsible at, at that tender age. I looked after Europe, Middle East and Africa, which was a huge territory, you know, traveling a third of the world. And um, I'm working uh, with, you know, budgets and targets and all those things that corporate life bring and i felt you know i've just got this gig i i understand life and when i look back at that 26 year old i'm like you were so egotistical you had absolutely no idea what you were talking about you know i was newly married um had no loss you know other than chronological loss in that you know you, you lose your grandparents and you you family dog dies and you know all those things that just happen chronologically and and yet here I was at 26 thinking that I I had the the, the full toolbox um and so my corporate life was was wonderful it allowed me to uh, develop tools and skills that I still use today and one of them is public speaking um you know I, I definitely honed that from my time with Estee Lauder um and yet really when I started to go on a pro what I call my real journey was when I became interested in our neurology, when I became interested in human development. I've been in human development for many, many years. Since I was 19 and a half, I went into the training department with the Estee Lauder Corporation. So I learned a lot about how we learn and how people make decisions and how we think what we think and perhaps even why we do that. But it was all very surface stuff and it was all, all very salesy. Um, and then I wanted to take a deep dive and that's when I really started to become curious. And what I love about the field that we're in is that the more we understand about our neurology, the less we know because our brains are constantly changing and evolving with plasticity. So, you know, we we think we know something and then, oh my goodness, now there's a new finding, a new piece of scientific uh, research that's been done. 
So I, I, you know, we were talking earlier, we're never done when it comes to neurology. And so the journey for me really started, you know, back in 2005 when I started to do my formal training. Um, and even then, Des, I have to say, you know, I was very much a, oh, you know, I've got this, I understand. And I set up my coaching company in 2005 and started working with clients and felt that I had a wealth of experience because, uh, you know, I'd... Um, had sadly got divorced, um, which was amicable. And it was just one of those things and, and still felt, you know, I've got a lot to offer. And, and it wasn't really until, um, 2013 that I started to grow as a human being. And that, that came with curveballs. And this is a little what the Ted talks about, even though it's only nine and a half minutes long. Um, you know, the first curveball was, uh, for me, when I, you know, as somebody that's fit and healthy, I've run across Portugal, which is a marathon a day, you know, for seven days and raised uh, a lot of money for charity. I've cycled from Land's End to John O'Groats for charity, cycled the length of uh, New Zealand for charity, the South Island. Um, so, you know, fit and healthy and uh, making right choices and working on myself. So to be diagnosed with kidney cancer in 2013 was such a shock. I'd literally just finished cycling lands into john groats and you know i remember with my two friends malcolm and johnny the two guys i cycled with the boys at the end of it were kind of going oh my kidneys are so sore you know because we'd had to drink a lot of water and i was like oh you boys what are you like my kidneys are totally fine and let, little did i know that you know there was a tumor the size of a golf ball in the left kidney so there's that song by frank sinatra which is i left my heart in san francisco well i left my kidney in christchurch new zealand um, that's my, that's my song. So the kidney came out really quickly and I, I delved into my toolbox, Des, and this is the first time I really felt the impact of it because I've been helping clients, you know, if I got a parking ticket cause I was parked in the spot too long, I, you know, I pulled out the toolbox, but you don't feel the effect when a real curveball hits. Oh my goodness. You, you can not only feel it, you can, it is, it is totally remapping your course through this particular curveball and what i decided to do was look upon the journey through the eyes of an adventurer rather than the eyes of a sufferer a victim or a patient and um, the first thing i did when i went into the hospital on that morning i was checked in very early at 6 a.m the anaesthetist came to see me at like 8 a.m and this was the line in the sand for me and i i, I said to my anaesthetist because she, she said oh look i'm just going to give you a little concoction to relax you and i was like you know what i have never seen an operating theater i've never even been in hospital before only to visit people I would love to see the operating theatre. I would love to meet the team of people that are going to be working on me. And she was like, okay, Amanda, I have to say this is a bit weird. It's a bit odd, but, but I'll, yeah, let's do it. So she said, protocol, you've still got to be on the gurney and I've got to take you down on the gurney. And, but I met this amazing team of people, eight people, all had different colored hats uh that they were going to wear in the surgery that's the big fog home from one of the boats so you can probably hear that in the background um and and i said my goodness this i, I could not believe this operating theater it was like something out of star star wars it was so shiny so pristine i found out they were going to be playing freddie mercury queen while they were operating on me which i love freddie mercury i mean who doesn't so it was like i you know i would never have found out all that and so this even just that simple request was a game changer 
And I, I made myself a commitment, and that was the surgery happened on the 14th of November, 2013. And I made a commitment on the 11th of March, 2014, I was going to run a mountain marathon. And that was me creating what I call a future memory of something really useful that allowed me to put that line in the sand and go, well, that's my journey done with that C word, you know, I'm, I'm that, that's finished now. And being able to move forward in health and in vitality and and looking at it saying, okay, what's, what's this teaching me? What am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow from this? How can I help others? And so that was the first curveball. And then, you know, if somebody had tapped me on the shoulder that day in November, uh, 14th of November, and said, hey, Amanda, look, a year tomorrow, Keith, your husband won't be here because he will have died of the same disease, I would have gone, you've got the wrong person, you know, angel of the future, because he's healthy. And yet, literally, the 15th of November, 2014, Keith passed away of the set, you know, stomach cancer, not kidney. And and then, you know, that again, a massive curveball. And it was, what do I do here? And there's a, I think there's a time when we do need to give ourselves permission to climb into what I call our grey bubble and just, you know, nurture and recharge and you know like an animal would just lick 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 lick, lick the wounds and then re-emerge and when i re-emerged it was okay i've created future memories before now i'm going to create my life and so i literally got out like a designer toolbox with what do i want i want magic i want love again you know i want to fall in love and um you know i'd love to have a family i don't know how that looks because at that age i was 46 um, so I think, you know, for me to answer your question, the, the, the time when I really started to know the journey I was going on and the old me, the younger me, I'd evolved so much through these curveballs. And so, you know, th this, this idea of creating magic, I wanted to go to Burning Man. Um, it was something I've heard about, you know, well, it's just down the road from you. And, um, you know, I, I really want to explore that because humanity at its best it's a gifting mentality i mean sure there's all everything that goes on in any city right i think it becomes the fourth largest city in nevada for that week that the burns on and you know it just recently happened but that was something i wanted i wanted to have some magic i want to fall in love again and somebody that had been in three long-term relationships you know one with a really hot fireman for 10 years then one with uh, you know my first husband who was a very tall international basket player for five years and then you know beautiful Keith for 19 years you kind of go well if I'm gonna leave, I mean, if I'm gonna give her a label she's she's straight right or she's heterosexual because of three long-term relationships with men but this time I fell in love with a woman and uh and it was really interesting. It was a it was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to my, my now wife, and um, my mum, my mum who I love and adore, and I know she adores me and loves me. You know, her parting comment when I shared it with her was, "Oh my God, Amanda, you're not gay. You're grieving." And you know, people still today are curious, and they'll say, "Well, you know, have you always been gay and just not come out?" Or I'm like, "Hang on a minute, just let's stop there." I'm not gay, I'm not straight, I'm not bisexual, I'm not heterosexual, I'm not asexual, I'm just Amanda. And I just happened to fall in love with three souls that were attached to male bodies and one soul that was attached to a female body. And and they kind of look at me and go, okay, I, I get that. 
I, I understand that. Um, and there's when I do a talk, any kind of keynote, that's where a lot of curiosity comes like, you know, well, how could you just all of a sudden turn gay? Well, no, it's not about that. Just <laughs> this is amazing. This is, this is like one of my favorite conversations ever, ever, ever in life, ever in life, because I'll tell you my, like my view on relationships. And, and I hope that pe this resonates with people because you've just shared, you know, a whole host of experiences that you've had that have had led you to your beautiful wife today. I, I too, I've been married twice. Um, I've had a whole kinds of different relationships and mostly with males, but I do have relationships with females. Um, and, and I have through my journey and I don't, I don't believe in monogamy. So I, that's a whole nother way of doing relationships. So that could be like an, an episode that is some other episode. But what I will say in, in the journey, and as I connect with other people in relationships of all different styles, everyone gravitates to, well, so yeah. then what am I? If I do this in terms of the way that I behave, well, there's got to be a name for it. Is it, is it a pansexual? Is it binary? Is it gay, lesbian, straight? Is it heterosexual? I mean, there's so many, there's so many labels. And I think there's a lots of labels that people don't understand. Like you're not, you're Googling it. You, you know, you see something for the first time. And, and then on top of that, there's the, because there's a community, right? That you call LGBTQIA plus, there's that plus is going to be, you know, the 25 other things, the aversions that come with that. But this goes back to my earlier point, which is it's easier to, to try to find a category to fit in. And the reason I love your examples of your relationships and your story is because it's yes. just yours. You, you're, you're just doing you, your life, who you are, and being true to yourself. And you don't even care what it's no. called. It just no, and it, you know, it, it's actually really helpful not to have any labels around that because it's, it's just me being me. And therefore the label would be Amanda, just being Amanda, you know, just being, just being authentic. Um, and Sarah shares exactly the same view. You know, she has had relationships with men and with women and um, has, has follows exactly the same uh, template when it comes to, well, what does that mean? It means nothing. It means I can just be me. And this is, this is where I'm at. Um, so it was, it was a huge shock for many, many people because uh, they, they had kind of known that, you know, well, Amanda, you know, if she meets somebody else in them, in their mind, it's going to be a man. So it was a big surprise. Yeah, it, 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 and honestly, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep it really real because people think what they think. Did anybody think so in your comment of your mom? Right. She was like, you're not gay, you're grieving. So that that's an interesting comment. You probably laugh at that saying it, saying it today. But did people think like maybe Amanda's going through a yeah, phase? People even said like, it to me. It's, like, Amanda, it's just okay. a phase. It's a phase you're going through. So don't, you know, don't make any commitments. Don't do anything too rash. You know, probably keep it to yourself. Uh, you know, it was it was and they were coming from a place of love and care and protectiveness. Of course right. they were. And um, I just went the opposite, really in the opposite direction and said, absolutely not. I am not going through a phase. 
Um, I know exactly and have known exactly the right person for me at any given time of my life. I have no regrets. I've had three long-term relationships and uh, I've been happy with all of those relationships. And so I know myself really well. And therefore I understand where you're coming from. I respect your love and care. However, you're wrong. And I know what's right. So it, there were those conversations and natural fallout. You know, there was you know, people that really disappointed in the way in which they um, responded. And then there were people that really delighted in a very unexpected way because they weren't really on the radar. And they came with a real authenticity of love and care and we're just here for you and we really respect what you're doing and this we want we want to be a part of this uh, journey so it, it did two things it certainly um, sorted out the as we like to say in Yorkshire the wood from the chaff um, it allowed us to do a good shake through and, um, and and be surrounded by beautiful people that you know throw these massive logs of passion on our bonfire of life and um, support us from from the sidelines and, and sometimes hold our hands when we need it so I'm really grateful for people's honesty uh, at being able to share that and um, and navigate that with the trueness in our step and know exactly where we were going because really quite quickly you know i said to sarah this i'm really serious about this um i i don't uh do sort of short-term relationships i need you to know that this for me would mean a lifetime together marriage and sarah said well i have you know i i, I want kids and i was like hell absolutely let's bring that on because i want kids too i just was never successful with keith it just didn't work um for us i'm not for one to trying um you know so again des if i hadn't followed that path you know, somebody did tap me on my shoulder and said, Amanda, you at 52 years of age, you are going to witness the birth of your two twin boys. I would have gone, how is that going to be possible? That how, how is that That's possible? Incredible. <laughs> and you and you live a life where you have what you want. You have your your wife and your two boys. So how did tell tell me that story? So how did your two boys come into fruition? In so your Sarah life? and I, um, we spoke really early on about wanting a family. Uh, we wanted uh, definitely two children. Um, we weren't uh, at all worried about girls, boys, boys. It made no difference to us. Just two healthy children. I'd always really um, wanted twins. It was just something that was at the back of my mind. You know, twins would be lovely, twins would be lovely. Uh, anyway, we embark on this IVF journey. Sarah was the, um, we used Sarah's eggs and Sarah was what we like to call the oven. And I was the one that kind of, you know, uh, made sure the thermostat was set correctly and that she had the right food and all the things that she needed. And we, we just skipped off to Spain, to Marbella, to this clinic that's, um, really well researched and it, you know they're very successful and um, we thought well this is going to be super easy you know it's we're only missing sperm uh, that's the only component sarah's really healthy she's fertile she's young she's 14 years younger than me and so you know we we skipped into it and we were actually quite in, um surprised at the complexity of ivf and so we had three failed transfers. Um, one was a pregnancy, but it was only a chemical pregnancy. We made the mistake of telling everybody and then had to ring everybody up and then untell everybody. So we learned a big lesson there. Um, 
and then they changed our donor and um it was quite comical because we got to know our nurse really well and this is a, a, a just a funny little story aside and she's from uh yorkshire uh, yorkshire where i'm from but speaks spanish fluently like a native and Michelle said to us, look, we're changing the donor. Um, so I've been down to the beach today and I found this surf dude guy and he's got blonde hair like Amanda and green eyes. And, you know, he's really tanned and he likes music and he plays guitar. So he's your new do donor. And of course, she was completely joking because in Spain, the donors are all anonymous and they use an agency and they're very thorough. <laughs> and, and what they say is, okay, well, Sarah's eggs are being used, so therefore our donor needs to be a male version of Amanda. So they take my blood, they take my DNA, they take photographs of me from being a baby to being a young adult, uh, my preferences, my ac academia, all that thing, and it all goes into a mixing pot. And they say, okay, well, if Amanda was a man, this is what Amanda would look like, and this is the characteristics. And the donor is selected on that criteria. And um, so Michelle was being playful, and we thought it was really funny. And then she said, and because she had three failed transfers in september it's two for the price of one so you know dr love we called our doctor dr love he wasn't called that at all but um some fantastic spanish name um we you know we asked him and he said well yes you know sarah's getting older time's gone on we're absolutely going to put in two embryos but i can guarantee only one will take it just gives you 66 percent chance of conceiving rather than 33 percent chance so and we said, okay, um, we sort of smiled at each other. And you know, Des, you would not believe this, but we had been to that theater for transfer three times. This is our fourth transfer. And as Sarah's been wheeled in, which is protocol, um, she could totally walk, but that's her protocol. On came a thousand years, which is our wedding song. And we were like, this is it. This, I know, this is it. I can't. You're going to cry. I can't with you. And we videoed the transfer. Literally, these little two gold stars, little universes in their own right on the video. And that's Noah and Jasper. They're now three and a half years old. You need to stop. I can't. <laughs> that is incredible. If I, if I have ever heard of a manifestation story, <laughs> that is it. I mean, you were so lockstep in exactly what you wanted. And despite, and here's the thing, and this, this is just the reality of life. When we go to bat for something that we want and it doesn't work out, it feels very defeating. So to continue to go and it doesn't work out, it's even harder. But you were so relentless in the pursuit. You had three failed attempts. It was like some people would go, you know what? Maybe maybe this is just too much. Maybe this wasn't written in the stars. Maybe we should just stop and get a puppy or two. I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's so many things that you could have done and you stayed the course. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, it was yeah, twins. And, it was twins. I mean, really? and boys, you know, two mums and two boys and we didn't find out the sex until they were born uh we wanted to keep it uh down you know everything was so um 
there was so much medical intervention we just wanted to leave it to mother nature to to see what you know what we were going to be blessed with and sarah thought it was going to be a girl and a boy i thought it was going to be two girls and uh, lo and behold we've got these two beautiful and you know this is unbelievable our obstetrician who's now our beautiful friend polly she said, I had this dream that um, one of the babies came out looking just like Sarah. So Sarah's quarter Chinese, so she's very dark. You know, she's, uh, she's tall, she's got olive skin, sorry, very short olive skin. And she said, this baby came out with dark hair, dressed in like shorts, a t-shirt on a pair of Birkenstocks. And the second baby was blonde and it came out wearing Lululemon. So one's just like Sarah and the other one's just like Amanda. Well, lo and behold, we've got Jasper, who's really dark and very much like Sarah. And we've got Noah, who's blonde, green eyes, a much bigger boy. I'm, I'm quite tall, uh, olive skin, and he's just like me. So, And he's even got a birthmark in the same place. Like, it's, it's crazy. And I am not biologically, uh, you know, from a m medical scientific pers uh, perspective, I am not connected uh, from a DNA biology perspective at all. So um, Polly was right, and we've got a blonde boy, and we've got a little dark boy. So, it, you know, it's and, and Jasper is, his hair is so dark, it's just like Sarah's, and so um, he he's even looks like Sarah from baby photographs. So, you know, it, it's just uncanny how we have been gifted with these two beautiful little boys. And what a process, what a process with the IVF. I mean, talk about rigorous, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's amazing. I, I love that story. And, and I, I hope that that gives hope to others. I know there's many people. Um, I know, I know a few personally who, um, for different reasons had to go that route and it was not always successful either, but they, to you know decided to to keep going and and eventually it, it worked out one but of the things um, Des, that really helped us was uh, particularly after the pregnancy where you know we were confirmed pregnant by the clinic um through blood tests and whatnot and then we made the calls to immediate family when we then realized that was not a reality we then called everybody mm -hmm. and shared and what we what we both said was we don't understand. We don't understand the reasons. However, what we do know is when we hold the baby that selected us, because we thought we were just going to have one, you know, and then another one later, when we hold that child that selected us in our arms, it will all make sense. Because we, we don't do the choosing, they do the choosing, is, 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 where, is what our belief is, that, you know, they come to us and and for whatever reason we, we're never going to understand what those reasons are but it will all make sense when we're holding and for us it was two children um you know in our arms and and that's the great thing when they're so little you can hold them quite easily in in both arms it's a little bit trickier now at three and a half <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so tell so tell me then what inspired your TED talk, because I, you know, I listened to it. I knew about your, um, the cancer. You talked about that. Um, what made you want to share that with the world? 
the the reason what was because i developed something that which i share in the ted talk and i make a commitment to myself and that is that whenever i'm public speaking or if i'm speaking at a corporate um or doing something like a ted talk you know i think that was nine nine minutes 15 seconds it's not very long i made a commitment to share a tool i call them neural mind hacks neural mind hacks um that's going to help people that's really helped me and so in that TED talk is a neural mind hack that my neurology developed when I was in hospital. And what happened was this lady came to see me out of the goodness of her heart to visit me. I didn't know her particularly well. Uh, she was an acquaintance. I think I played golf with her a couple of times down in Queenstown in New Zealand. And she came to visit me with a bottle of beautiful Pinot Noir and a packet of a packet of fudge. And she started to tell me she'd watched this documentary about this woman that had given a kidney away, donated a kidney. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a really positive story. I'm loving this. And then she went on to tell me that, you know, the lady had uh, slumped into a deep depression six months later. And what they had identified was that when the body loses an organ, the body actually can go into depression. And I'm thinking, at what level is this helping me? And I know she's, she's, she's just being kind and she's sharing the documentary, but she's not actually realizing this is a mind virus, that if I accept this, mm -hmm. then that could be true for me. So what I imagined in front of my um, um, eyes was this big red button with the word delete across it. And in my neurology, in my imagination, I went, and I'm going to shout a little bit, so I'm just going to warn the listeners. I went like this, delete, 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 really fast. And so it kind of covered up the entire visual area of where she was sat. Of course, I did it inside my head. Otherwise, it would have been a bit weird if I'd have done it out. The nurses would have been like, what drugs is she on? Um, so, but I just went, I just actively inside my head when I am not accepting this mind virus. This is not coming into my neurology. And this delete button is really powerful because you can use it without sharing with the other person. All you need to do then is wait till they take a breath and then just change the subject. And all I said to her was, hey, look, when was the last time you played golf? How's your golf going now? You know, ask a golfer about the golf. They'll talk for seven days if you don't, you know, if you don't walk away. So you know, you just need a, a a little get out of jail card, a little, you know, what is it in the film up? Is it is it rabbit, you know, where the dog kind of goes squirrel, squirrel. You need one of those, <laughs> just a, a topical conversation uh, to distract them. So my inspiration was to to allow as many people as possible to be introduced to something that my neurology created without my permission that has absolutely helped um, me and many, many others. And now the TED Talks, I just checked it now, it's at 705,000 views. So I think when you watched it, it was four. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, in that, what I do believe is, is allowing people to see that, um, you know, I have been on a journey and that the delete button has really helped me. And you can imagine through you know, even as simple as telling people we're doing IVF at the age of 50, um, you know, people was, would say to me, Amanda, you know, you're too old to do that. You know, a lot of people are becoming grandparents at 50. Um, so, you know, the delete button came in so handy. And I, I was working with the police force, British police force yesterday doing a, a mindset uh, hour with them. And I share the delete button in that. And I said to them all, 
I guarantee you will use this before you go to bed tonight. And, and any listener that's listening, I guarantee, unless it's five minutes before you go to bed, you will use that delete button. Yours can say anything it wants on it. You don't have to have delete. You know, it can it can say something far stronger if you like. Um, but it's important that you are aware and you're kind of mindfully saying no. That is not allowed in my neurology. So that was my inspiration. That was my motivation to share that and to continue uh, to speak as as many as, as often as I can um, to help people. Des, really, that's the motivation. It is. It's powerful. Our our neurology and our and our thoughts. You know, I, and I've appreciated this more and more as I've gone through my own coaching and experiences, but. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've had a coach come on the show and coach me directly. And all of it comes down to our thoughts and whether or not we want to change them to something else, if it's not serving us in the way we want them to. So your delete button is incredibly powerful because when you're, when you're conscientiously having a visualization and you use it, it was a, it was a, to you, it was a button that you could push and something changes in your, in your, in your chemical, in the, you know, the chemical processes inside of us change and therefore we change. And it's a choice. It's a choice that we're making consciously and conscientiously to do what we want. That is going to give you the energy and not put you in a state of sadness depression, despair, you chose something else. And I think that's so amazing. So because of your background with clinical hypnotherapy and the studies that you've done, talk about what, so what do you do? You know, what, how do you help people with what you, you've been trained to do when they come to you with different issues? Well, probably the biggest way that I, that I help people right now is to train others to do what I do. So we, we um, have graduates that graduate from our programs that are all board approved um, designated certificates. So they're, you know, coaching certifications, if you like. So that's the, the biggest impact because the more people that have the toolbox, the more people then can be helped. Um, when I work one-on-one with clients, which I still, you know, I do on a regular basis, I'm client facing, um, obviously online from my little VW camper van sometimes on the drive in the house, which is pretty cool. Um, the, one of the main things I, I look at is what programs are glitching, uh, what program and, and does that program need deleting or does it need reinstalling? Mm-hmm. And if it needs deleting, then what new software do we need to install? So I, what I call what we do neural coding. We've actually just uh, registered the, the the term because people get it. Like if I say I do, I use neuro linguistic programming. I use timeline therapy. I use clinical hypnosis. That doesn't mean anything to people. All that is is just a bunch of words that's you know on the bottom of a certificate. But you know what I like to say is, hey, you know, you've got your phone, and uh, when when you pick up your phone and you're kind of like, oh, I've got an app on here that doesn't serve me then you just delete it. You don't even give it a moment's thought. And then you might go into the app store and find something else that that's better going to do the job. Um, and so what I'm looking for and, and what all our team, we've got about 25 of us around the world that 
license my brand your life live it and do neural coding and what they all our family are looking for is what programs need deleting in this person's neurology and what can we install to better serve them and that can be done in as little as three sessions with really big things you know we're talking about big pieces not not small pieces and i'm not saying that you know somebody wanting to um you know lose 15 kgs is a small thing i'm not i'm not um Every, no, no change has a hierarchy. Um, however, if somebody's had a lifelong problem with suicidal thoughts and has gone through many other mm. different modalities, uh, looking at what the glitchy software is and, and highlighting that, and generally we're looking at belief systems. We were talking about this earlier, you and I, Des. So that's essentially mm. what, when I'm working with somebody, that's what I'm looking to do. Uh, and, and obviously training others to have the same tools. That has to be some of the most life-changing work because if someone's wired, you know, if the, if, the, if the way the system is set up, right? It's just like our phones. If we, if we look at the kinds of things, you always have to have an update, right? There's different things to make sure it's in proper working order and it's, you know, staying in good condition and it's stable. That's, that's how our, it works in, within us. Yeah. And so if we feel defective, right? If we feel like our system has this adoption of beliefs that don't serve us well, your life looks a certain kind of way. But to reprogram so your life can look a different way, I'd imagine is, is a pretty intensive you know, experience for someone because at the other side of it, for them to believe probably something that's pretty opposite than what mm -hmm. they currently do, causes huge shifts and impacts in all of the areas and dimensions of that person's Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And, and to give a, a real client example, I was working with a client yesterday morning, um, very early, and, and she was, you know, off down in the Southern Hemisphere, hence the time difference. And what we uncovered in our second session was that her limiting belief was, I'm unlovable. That is so core. And this is somebody that had been um had a had evidence throughout her entire life that she was unlovable she had been um abandoned she had been in a relationship and then no relationship ever worked out you know she she had children that she didn't really believe loved her um what a core limiting belief to be operating from and so what we're going to do next time we connect is delete that limiting belief of i'm unlovable and what she's chosen is an empowering new belief of i am totally lovable and it's all about the wording i am totally lovable underlined so it's not just i'm lovable it's i'm yeah. totally lovable Changes, changes everything. everything and it's an installation you know it's not about mm. affirmations and we're saying this every morning and you know it, it's literally an installation it's it's almost like kind of going into the neurology almost taking the top of a head off going out you know taking out that dysfunctional limiting belief neural network and then installing a new empowering neural network over the top of that so it's it's night and day and the evidence procedures for her in her life are just going to be absolutely tangible from the get-go as soon as that that actual work's been done she'll be able to look and go mm. oh my now i'm looking through the glasses of being totally lovable my world has transformed 
as opposed to the opposite, you know, the other pair of glasses, which was, you know, I'm unlovable, you know. So it's absolutely, it's, it, it is, it is the, probably the most important, humbling, um, passionate piece that I'm about, that, that, I, that my whole work is about, is, is when we get to what that limiting belief is, that is is just a massive breakthrough for the client just the awareness of what that actually is because if the client can name it it's not it because it runs out of conscious awareness yeah. yeah 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 you don't you don't give that thing power um you know when you when you identify that what's holding you back so let's kind of continue with this example so you've identified an old core belief that's manifesting into this new belief of going from I'm not lovable to I'm totally lovable. How does a client sustain that? So they're with you and they're doing the work. How do you do the work outside of? So now what happens is the client has, a, has some tasking. So the tasking is that she knows what a new empowering belief is going to be. I'm totally lovable. And then what I, what I ask mm -hmm. her to do is, is almost imagine it like, a, you know, just something she clicks on and then what's the drop down menu? What, it, what are all those? What, what, what does I am totally lovable mean? I am a beautiful mother. I am a loving partner. I am a loving daughter, whatever it is for her, right? So she gets to design the drop-down menu. Now, this is all conscious. We're not, we're not doing the process yet. Um, and then the next thing I ask her to do is to, now we know what we know because it's out of conscious awareness in, in, in sorry, out of unconscious awareness into consciousness. I ask her to notice how often it comes up and it, it will be a lot. And um, she, she, Basically, this is what I, I've invited her to do is to say, ah, there's the limiting belief. There you are again. There's the I'm unlovable piece. I want to thank you for being in my life because you've been there to serve me. You had a positive intention, which was to keep us safe. Um, but you know what? We're no longer going to be together much longer, but I just want to thank you. So I, I encourage the client to have gratitude around the limiting belief because it, as always, been there to serve a positive intention it just hasn't re it's never really going to get what the client wants long term and so when the next time we meet then we do the actual process of deletion and installation which is the client just follows my instructions it's pictures it's sounds it's feelings in the body it's an eloquent piece of work that's a neuro-linguistic programming technique it's the most it's the, len it's the lengthiest yeah. technique in nlp actually and it, it once you actually get into process it takes about 25 minutes um context free yeah. for the client the client's got their eyes closed it's it's kind of they have no idea what's going on everyone you know as young as five can follow the instructions um the eldest belief change i've done is 88 years of age and um, when you do the belief change with the client all i'm doing is holding the remote control so they're doing the doing but when you facilitate that and they come out of it and then you ask them what the old belief is they in, in most cases they kind of go uh uh they can't they can't find it then from memory they can remember what it is but the instant response is uh um they're looking for it and so we start to check in okay well how does that feel now before when we did this you know it was a 10 out well my client gave me a 12 out of 10 of emotional 
overwhelmed. She was in floods of tears, like it was very upsetting for her. So, you know, for the client, sometimes they can get cross and go, oh my God, like if I'd have known that this is all it was going to take, I, I would have done this years ago, especially my 88 year old client. She was really cross. I was gonna, well, I was gonna say, I mean, but I'm a believer that you are where you are meant to be yeah. right now. We do have too much to ourselves. Uh, if I knew this way back when, and this is what happened, you might not have been ready for that. Absolutely. You might not have been, been in a place to receive that, you know, and, and, and we have to accept that about ourselves. We arrive to where we are and we're getting served with what we need to, to take us to the next place that we need to be. But Amanda, I want to ask you a couple of questions for people to get to continue to know you better. And the first one is what makes you unbreakable? What a great question. Wow. I have to really think about that one. I think it's the layering. I think to go back to what you've just said, if any of those curveballs had have happened out of sequence, maybe I'd have been breakable. I think the order in which those curveballs hit was just building up the boundaries around um, the breakability. And 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 then you you go into your toolbox and that works and so you you hone that and you use that and you become a different person and then the next experience hits and now you're even more unbreakable. So I think that's the answer to the question. Without and it's a big epiphany for me right now, Des. I have to say because I hadn't thought about the sequence of events and the magnitude of those events and the order in which they landed. But now, as cruel as it may sound and as, as unconventional as this may sound, it's kind of the order of the universe. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for that. What a great question. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. What about a self-limiting belief? What's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Um, a big one for me was I'm not intelligent. I'm not intelligent. Uh -huh. uh, and therefore what that meant was I'm not good enough. And therefore what that meant was I don't deserve it. And therefore what that meant was, you know, I don't deserve to be happy. I'm not worthy. And so it started off at, a very young age of being told I was not very good at English, not very good at maths. And in, in my book, I actually feature that particular instance and that particular story. Um, and the beauty about limiting beliefs is that there's lots of them. 
you know they're again you know we've got a high, we do have a hierarchy with them we've got ones at the top of the well which is things like you know i'm not a, i'm not an athletic person or mm-hmm. i'm not a healthy eater mm-hmm. to right at the very core where we've got you know i'm unlovable or i'm a mistake or i'm evil i've even worked on with a client that believed that they were evil you know right at the core so we've got this varying degree of what those beliefs are about ourselves and i think when a person goes on that discovery the f- the more you do it the deeper you get um yeah. and it's not again we're done we're not done you know sometimes you know sarah and i are really fortunate to have some time away we've got a beautiful nanny that helps us with our baby boys and it's it's not uncommon for sarah and i to go i think there's a limited brief operating here can you help me with this because i can't do work on myself because of course it's in my unconscious so you know we might might go to one of our team and and do some work. I did a lot of work with one of our beautiful team members, Sharon, in New Zealand just before I left New Zealand last October um, around some limiting beliefs that I was operating then around uh, abundance and being able to um, really create uh, abundance in helping others, uh, not abundance as in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dollar signs. Um, so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. it it's it's never really done which is which is exciting um which is why we always need to work on ourselves and and um you know seek out people that we trust that we know are good and and do that work yeah no i i could not agree more what's what of your superpowers something that you're really proud of Um, i'm really good at being presented with a um a problem it might be a behavioral problem with an individual or it might be a cultural problem within an organization and then creating something that will absolutely resolve that uh, and an example i can give you is um, a corporation that i work closely with in new zealand called cookie time which does exactly what it says on the can they make the most incredible, I think it's been voted New Zealand's most favorite cookie. Um, So they're very well known in New Zealand. Um, The CEO came to me and said, you know, what would you do, Amanda, if you had um, cultural beliefs within the organization that, you know, maybe are holding the organization back? Like for example, sales believes that marketing is X, Y, and Z, or marketing believes that finance is, X, Y, and Z. And the X, Y, and Z is generally a handbrake and it's holding the organization back. And I said, and he said, is it possible to do like a group belief change? And I was like, oh my God, this is an incredible thing that we're touching on. Leave it with me. And so we create, I created with the help of the CEO, a product called Creating Dream Teams. And um, we ran it, we, we, we trained it for the two years uh, through the organization. They're very open-minded and we've seen that particular company go from strength to strength, not just in revenue, but also in um, staff retention, uh, the, the harmony, the happiness in the workplace. Um, so that's my that's my superpower. And I'm going back to New Zealand actually um, to, to do Dream Teams Mark II. So it's taking it to the next level. I love content creation. I love... Uh, Scenes, I can see it. It's it, I, I can see the pieces that need to happen, and I can see the f- uh, formula in front of me, and be able to go and deliver that in a in a vulnerable, humorous, fun way, but with some real 
meaty processes in there that really allow people to have personal transformation. Because the key mm. for me, Des, is, yeah. you know, it's not a, I, I'm not interested in, in making an organization more money. I'm not interested in that at all. My belief is if an organization cares about their people and mm. we have permission mm. to work with that person individually or as a group on what it is they need in their life for their life, then a default byproduct of that is productivity goes up. It's just what happens. Yes. And, you know, fortunately, the CEO of Cookie Time was like, I am totally, this is, I am, it is about my, my people. It is about our team. It's about our family and the, the most beautiful company to work with. I feel very honored and I'm working with a few different organizations with that. So I hope that answers your question, but I suppose the, 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 the more succinct answer would be content creation around a specific problem to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. You're good yeah. at it. You are good at it. You're I'm great at it. it so well. it's my passion. Yeah. You keep doing that because it's changing, it's changing lives, it's changing organizations, and it's changing leaders who have the ability to empower others. And that's that's you know a, a really powerful thing to do. So a few last questions. This one will be very interesting because I know you're well traveled and you do a lot in the world. You're a pretty adventurous person, seeing as how you chose adventurer <laughs> as the word you chose, you know, earlier when you found out you had diagnosed with a, with the kidney cancer is, um, what's something that's on your bucket list? Wow. Okay. Um, what is on our, on our bucket list is when our boys are old enough and th this will count when our boys are old enough, Sarah and I are going to take them to Burning Man. And when we say old enough, we mean old enough to understand what happens there. And even though Sarah and I have been, and I've now been twice, and I love it, um, the reason it's on our booking list, bucket list is because we want to introduce our boys into a different way of, of viewing life, even if it's only for a week. And for them to be able to see what pure gifting actually looks like where it's not a reciprocal agreement it's not you give me this and i'll give you that it's not a bartering mentality it's pure gifting where you go and you give whatever it is you've got to give to that community and they gift back in return so that is on our bucket list even though sarah and i have been it would be a very it will be a very different experience because we're traveling with our you know two most precious things um yeah so yeah. hopefully that answers that question yeah. In, yeah i mean there are places we want to go and things we want to do and that kind of thing um however i i, I feel that's a really important piece because i think that could be really life-changing for them yeah, no, that's that's much deeper than just, oh, I, you know, I want to go visit this place I've never been to, for sure, for sure. Amanda, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anyone listening right now, what would it be? My advice would be that for, for each and every one to know that you are an absolute genius, that if you relax and trust in your own unconscious mind 
and trust that you know what's right for you. You know who you are and just sit quietly enough and still enough to allow that voice to speak what that might be or allow you to feel what that might be or to see that that's the right thing to allow the universe to show you some signals. That would be my biggest piece of advice is that each and every one of us walking around this planet are geniuses. We, or maybe maybe that word is, is it doesn't resonate so well. What, what other word could I use? Is, is absolutely capable and knows at the very core who you are and you have everything you need inside of you to be able to do whatever it is you need to do. That's incredible. I receive that very much. I receive that. Amanda, two last things. One is when does the book come out so people can anticipate and look forward to that? And two, where can they find you? to continue following your journey? Well, the book will come out mid-November. So we're getting ready for um, launch around, obviously, the Christmas period. And that will be available um, on Amazon and various different platforms, uh, as well as actually in bookstores in the UK. And uh, people can find me really simply at yourlifelivit.com. If people just pop that into their search will will come up um, and they can find me personally in there if they just go into coaches I'm just I appear as one of the neural coders as opposed to the founder you know I'm, I'm we're a flat hierarchy at your life live it so, I, so if they scroll down they'll find me there or if they google Dr. Amanda Fu Ryland uh, that's R-Y-L-A-N-D and F-O-O Fu Ryland um, Sarah and I and our two boys are the only four of us in the world so I, they'll definitely find me that's amazing. I'm grateful for you, your time, your presence, your stories. Thank you so much for coming on, taking your precious time from the Portugal waters and all the ambiance to choose to be here with me in this moment. You're welcome. You. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I have absolutely loved my time with you and you, my wonderful friend, do an incredible job putting this time in twice a week and just sharing your knowledge and wisdom. So for, for that, I am also very grateful. Thank you. Wow. So much joy, so much goodness. Thank you, Amanda. I enjoyed that interview so much. Amanda Fu Ryland, or Dr. Amanda Fu Ryland rather, is such an incredible human being. I've learned so much from her. Her wisdom is palpable. Her confidence is as well. She is somebody who has continued to come into her own just year after year. Such a great demonstration of that, that it's a, it's a journey that never stops. It's something we talked about. You, you never stop learning and growing and evolving. And the more you recognize that, understand you're not going to be the same person as you as you grow we have to do a better job sometimes of detaching ourselves from old versions of ourselves that were was meant for a time you know um so i would love to invite you as you reflect on this episode with me to ask yourself 
if you're living in full transparent service of who you are? Do you put yourself out there into the world, into the ether, into the universe in all the ways that you truly want to? If you were living the life that was your dream life, what are you doing every day through your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors to show up in that way? I love the fact that Amanda shared her relationships and the beautiful relationships she's had in the past, which happened to be with men and choosing in her current day life to be with her wonderful wife, who's a woman. And they found a way to have kids that they've always wanted to have, which I still think is so miraculous that they've got twin boys. That's such a beautiful thing. Going back to what we said as a word at the very beginning of the episode is unconventional. Well, I would say unconventional is awesome. How can you show up in your unconventional way as unapologetically you? You know, I don't always talk about my own beliefs on this show because I I do believe that this show is not about me. It's about you and being who you are. But But I also share sometimes pieces of me so you know that I am who I am that may or may not resonate with you. But what I hope you take away is that you love yourself for who you are and you're being the version of you that you want to be. You're not withholding only to, you know, dilute yourself to make somebody else like you or accept you. I had, uh, (laughs) saw this post and, uh, I don't know if it's still there in my social media, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to see so that I can read it to you. Hopefully it's in, oh, I guess, I guess it would be in my archive now. I, I saw this, this quote and it said, um, I will not water myself down to make me more digestible for you. You can choke. Okay. So maybe that, maybe that last piece, (laughs) that was just a little dig, but I love the first part of that saying, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to water myself down to make me more digestible for you understand please understand that there will this isn't about if it is about when and there will be people who do not agree or accept parts of you it could be your relationship it could be your religion it could be how you choose to live your life what you like what you enjoy doing with your time. It could probably be any single dimension of your life. And ask yourself, if you're strong enough in your convictions and your belief, do you really care? Does it matter that there's a person that you care about that doesn't accept those things? Or just maybe doesn't agree with them. But if they love you for who you are, they're going to accept you for exactly 
who you are. And if they don't, I promise you there will be other people who will rally around you and they will. I hope that you learned a lot from this episode. I certainly did. I cannot wait for Amanda's book to come out. I think it's tremendous that she is writing this book. It's so in alignment with um, actually the book that I'm writing. And once again, it's called Knowing You, The Difference That Makes the Difference. So stay on the lookout for that coming out later this year in November on Amazon and uh, probably will show up on her website as well. Remember that you are your only limit, so take action today. Thanks for tuning in to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'll see you next time. Make sure to share, subscribe, follow, comment, rate and review, and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening.